Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. In verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear, hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, but if one went unto them from the dead, they, would, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I want you to look at um, a particular passage here in this text that I read to you. Verse 20, it says, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which which was laid at his gate, at his gate, full of sores. And then in verse 26, Besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And I simply want to use as a subject title this morning, The Day the Gate Became a Gulf. The Day the Gate Became a Gulf. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord and let's pray once again that the Lord of heaven would anoint, bless, minister, and work his will in this house and the remainder of this service this morning. Would you pray fervently with me, church? Jesus, help us, O God, to be stirred by your spirit today. I pray for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost to come and to move upon our hearts. I pray, Jesus, that you... Help us all to be quickened in our minds towards things of eternity. I pray that every one of us in this house could be stirred up in our spirit. We need you today. We desire your help. We pray, oh God, that you would do the work of ministering to the people today. And we thank you for it. And give you honor and praise for it right now. In Jesus' name, would you give praise to the Lord. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. This 
text or story that we're examining from the Scripture is a very unique story because it is really the only account that we have in the Scripture of a person that is actually in hell. Now I realize that our secular society doesn't like to admit the reality of hell. And to my astonishment, there has been those that claim to be Christians and claim to be Bible readers and people that believe in the Word of God that somehow omit this reality. Somehow they want to whitewash the fact that there is a hell. And if not only to whitewash the fact, then there is those that try to say that uh, nobody is going to uh, end up in that place, that we serve a God of grace and mercy, a God of love that would not send anybody uh, to a place of judgment such as hell. And to make that sort of a statement is a gross misunderstanding of the Scripture. Because my Bible tells me that God is merciful and God is willing that all men come to repentance and that He does everything that He possibly can to save the souls of men and women. He does everything that He possibly can to keep us from going to hell. But nevertheless, there's going to be those that are going to that place because the Scripture indicates that hell hath enlarged itself beyond measure. Uh, so that tells me that hell is going to be inhabited. That in fact, there are going to be people, there is going to be people that is going to go to hell. In fact, many people have tried to uh, pontificate and claim that hell simply is a, a parable, really, of Scripture, an illustration that the Lord is using that, that really people, uh, they go through a certain amount of torment and hell on earth, and that's what the Scripture is referring to, that it really doesn't exist in, in, in a literal sense. But the Word of God addresses this group of people. In 2 Peter chapter number 3, said, Knowing this first, when it was speaking about the last days, when it was speaking about the coming of the Lord, and that that would follow, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. I note that it says scoffers walking after their own lust. Scoffers that are saying things to their own benefit, in other words. They're doing it to their own satisfaction. They're doing it so that they can receive uh, the reward of it or whatever might come of it that would be a benefit to them. And it goes on to describe these people as they are willingly ignorant. In other words, they've never taken the time to look into the Word of God. They never closely examine the Scripture. And neither do they want to. They want to be ignorant to it willfully ignorant it is available it's there it's in it's in black and white it can be taught and explained and instructed to them but they don't want anything to hinder them in their lifestyle they don't want anything to convict them in their carnality they don't want anything to stop them or be a deterrent to them as they have so decided to do the things that they are doing this is why we must increasingly, especially in these last days as a church, we need to be extremely careful where we receive our messaging from. Amen. Because the Bible says that scoffers are walking after their own lust. 
they're the ones that's benefiting from it. They're the ones that is receiving the reward of their deception. It's padding their pockets to lie to you. It's a benefit to them to try to deceive you. Entertainers, of course, they scoff. They're trying to undermine the reality of God, His Word, heaven, hell, everything that has to do with eternity because they don't want you to think about their songs. They don't want you to ponder the filth that they're trying to propagate. They don't want you to think about the influence of ungodliness that they're trying to carry you away with and all of the sacrilege of their acts that they are trying to portray and leading you astray and deceiving you because it's simply putting money in their coffers. It's benefiting them. They're scoffers that are walking after their own lust, their own desires. What about politicians? Of course, they don't want you to think about a hereafter. They're too busy building their own kingdom on this earth and trying to convince you that they can create a utopia without God. I'm going to tell you there will be no true peace without God. There is no true fulfillment without God. There will be no true joy outside of God. Amen. It's impossible without God to have a nation that can dwell together in unity. It's impossible without God to have a people on the face of the earth that can get alone, amen, and dwell together in harmony. Without God, that is an impossibility. Even false teachers, even false preachers, yes, they, they in their own way, they scoff, walking after their own lust. False prophets that are trying to tell people now, that uh, we believe in an inclusive doctrine. We don't believe in a literal hell. In other words, you can live any way that you want to live. There's nothing in the Word of God that excludes you doing anything that your heart desires to do. If it feels good, do it. If you desire it, then it must be lawful for you to do it. Well, they do that because they're walking after their own lust. As long as you keep giving to their cause, as long as you keep building their kingdom, they'll keep on uh, on the sidelines clapping and giving you the sensation that entertains your flesh. But remember that these, as the Bible said, are scoffers that are walking after their own lust. The Bible, amen, regardless of what entertainers say, regardless of what politicians say, regardless of what false prophets and false teachers that the Bible warns us are going to rise in the last days, deceiving many, the Scripture says. Regardless of what they say, the Word of God is the final authority on the matter And it emphatically tells us that there is a hell. And it describes that this is a place of torment. It describes it as a place where the flame has never abated. Amen. And there are those that are going to be in that place called hell, suffering judgment throughout all of eternity. And I realize that it's not a popular message. I I realize today that it's not something that inspires us to shout or or causes us, our hearts, to leap for joy. But nevertheless, it's something that needs to be talked about because I believe that we're living on the eve of the coming of the Lord. I believe with all of my heart that this thing is wrapping up and sin is going to be judged. And there is going to be an eternity and you're going to spend it someplace whether it be in heaven with Jesus or in hell with the devil and all of his angels that fell with him. And if that be the truth then I must do everything that is necessary to be ready for the coming of the Lord. 
I just want to take that a step further and probe a little bit deeper and preach to you here today. If that is the truth, we cannot afford one-off service around here. Amen. If that be the truth, we cannot afford to come here with a lack of intensity and desire and hunger for the things of God. But you need to stir up that spirit, that gift that is within you and say, God, help me to be quickened. Help me to be awakened. Help me to realize, amen, that your coming is near. I don't want I don't want to be lulled into an attitude or a spiritual frame of mind that believes that everything's okay when everything isn't okay. But God, help me to be convicted where I need to be convicted. Help me to be stirred where I need to be stirred. Help me to be burdened where I need to be burdened. Help me to be broken where I need to be broken. And help me to realize that you're coming again. And I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. God, praise God. Sadly, so many people don't want to hear this message anymore. Sadly, so many people don't want to talk about the coming of the Lord anymore. Sadly, so many people want to talk just about His blessings. And I promise you, God is a God that blesses people that live for Him. And I'm thankful for the rich blessings of the Lord that all of us have freely experienced in this house that have lived for Him any period of time. But I tell you, as sure as there's anything in the world, of God there is a hell and there's a place where those that die lost are going to be separated from God forever no longer will they have the opportunity to feel and to enjoy the presence of God that you and I experience here today and so with a burden I preach this morning and so with a heavy heart I try to reach somebody today and so with a heavy responsibility I try my best to convince someone in this place it's not time to play church it's not time to go through the motions it's not time to pray hallowed prayers amen but it's time to get substance in our prayers it's not time just to go through the formality of worship but it's time to put passion back in your worship it's time to have a heart that is red hot for God it's time once again to be stirred up and come to an altar and weep hot tears and cry out to God and be shaken with Holy Ghost conviction it's time for revival to break loose in the church again it's time you get burdened church about lost loved ones that are going to hell it's time you be stirred up about backsliders that are dying lost without God it's our responsibility to pray for them and to be stirred for them Amen. I'm consistently amazed at how cold people have gotten in these last days but you know the Bible prophesied that it was going to happen the love of many has waxed cold it didn't happen overnight. It's been a gradual thing. Come on, I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to empty out my heart and what the Lord has placed upon it. I have a responsibility today to try to reach somebody. And, and you know, you would think a message like this would be for the guest. It would be for the backslider. It would be for the sinner that is away from God. But you know, I really feel that this is on my heart for the saints of God to be shaken into the reality again that there is a hell. I think we all need to be stirred up one more time. Amen. I think that would put some fire in our prayers. It would put some fervency in our worship. It put some intensity in our reason for coming to the house of God. Amen. No longer will we just come in here wagging around and dragging around and amen just 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 marking time and just saying well count me present amen no but when I'm here I want to really be here when I'm here I want to be involved in what's going on I want to be engaged amen I want to be at attention when it comes to the things of the spirit I want to be aware of what God is doing I want to be alerted to the fact that there is an eternity and I've got to do my best to be saved myself and see as many people reached as I possibly can. Gradually getting cold. Let me talk about it today. Amen. 
accepting things that you never would have accepted before. Learning how to come to church and not feel after God. Learning how to go weeks without praying through to a Holy Ghost experience. Somebody said, well, I spoke in tongues back there when I first got the Holy Ghost. Well, we don't believe in once saved, always saved. We don't believe that you just get the Holy Ghost as a one-time experience. Oh, but hear me today. This is an experience you can go back and drink from the well and get the joy again. Get the, get the fervency back. Amen. There's no reason why somebody that's lived for God 20 or 30 years shouldn't be able to go back and get that first-time experience all over again. And worship just like you did as a new convert. And be as fervent in your prayer as you was when you first received the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, down with all this professionalism. Down with all of this attitude of piety. Down with all of this attitude that I, I, I've been around long enough that I know the mechanics of everything. I know how to get by and I know how to look Pentecost and act Pentecost and I know all the words and I know how to dress right and do all these things. Come on, what's down in your heart? Do you have a desire and a hunger and an appetite for God like you used to have? That's what we're after today. That's what we want to see stirred up in the soul of people today. That's what needs to be renewed and revived in us here this morning. Amen. Because if you don't burn red hot for God, if you don't have a desire and a fervency and a hunger for the things of God, I tell you something's going to fill that void. Carnality will fill it. Sin will fill it. The desires for the world will fill that. The love of many waxing cold. Amen. Used to come to church. Nobody had to say, lift your hands. Matter of fact, we had to say, okay, we're going to move on now with the church service. And I'm going to read a text. We're going to have to set you down because we're going to preach. Because you were looking for the opportunity to give praise to God. Amen. I remember... When preachers preached, they didn't have to plead and beg in an altar call. Matter of fact, if they just paused a little bit during the preaching, people would run down to the altar. I remember when I first started evangelizing and preaching, and it seemed like we used to preach a lot more convicting type sermons, and God's been stirring me up about that. But I remember having to tell people, I'm not ready just yet to give an altar call. There's others in this place that are not prepared. Their hearts are not ready just yet. Let's give an opportunity. I'm going to preach a little further. You're welcome to come to the altar. But I'm telling you, I'm not through preaching just yet. Because people were so convicted. It didn't take, it didn't take 30, 40 minutes of preaching to get them to that point. But five minutes into it, they felt the heavy touch of the Holy Ghost. And they ran down to the altar, crying out to God, weeping and sobbing. Amen. How long has it been since you've seen somebody come broken to an altar? How long has it been since you came to an altar and fell on your knees and, and tears running down your cheeks? Amen. Repenting and saying, God, I don't know how I got this cold. I don't know how I become this carnal. I don't know how I become so separated from your spirit. I don't know how I got to the place, amen, that I was so distant from you that I couldn't be moved on like I used to be. I'm asking the Lord God of heaven to challenge us today. To stir us up today. It's easy to get caught up in the world. It's easy to get caught up in the things of life. I'm going to tell you, in eternity, nobody's going to be impressed with how big your bank account is. Amen. Nobody's going to be impressed with how many plaques you got hanging on the wall, how many degrees you have. That's right. Nobody's going to be impressed with how many worldly accomplishments and how many possessions and what the square footage is of your house. Amen. We've become so concerned with laying up treasures in this world that we forgot we're supposed to be laying up treasures in that world. That's right. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Man, I feel stirred up in my spirit today. I feel moved on in my heart today. Somebody said, you're going to preach like this right in the middle of the holiday season? Yeah, well, maybe that we need to be stirred up more now than we ever have. Come on, I don't think we ought to go into 2019 limping and anemic and spiritually about half backslid, but I think we ought to go in with revival fires burning. And people can make all the excuses that they want to make about why they don't come to the house of God. Why they don't not in the church anymore? Why they don't attend? And they can point their fingers and they can make you their accusation. But the bottom line is, you just remember this, the bottom line is, if you want to live for God and you want to be saved, you can be saved. And if you desire to live for God, there's no better place to do it than right here at Landmark Pentecostal Church. Heard recently somebody said, well, uh, the reason why we're not coming to church is somebody over there was talking about us. Well, to be honest with you, the only talk I'd ever heard was out of concern. Amen. The only talk I'd ever heard was out of burden. I don't know what they was really referring to, but it really doesn't matter. Because if you want to live for God, you've got to be bigger than that. I said, you've got to have more to you than that. Amen. Ah, uh, yeah, you got to get it in your heart and in your mind, in your spirit. Uh, there's nothing going to hinder me. Nothing is going to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, amen. You can run down your list. You can throw every excuse at me you want to in the book, but I got my mind made up. Uh, my foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to make it. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing is going to keep me from being saved. It's the only way. I said, that's the only way we're going to make it. That's the way that the Lord has designed this thing. He said, narrow is the way. Straight is the gate. If you've got to have a broad path, and I'm going to tell you, I've never seen in my life how easily people get offended. Preaching just like this this morning that is truth, right out of the Word of God. People walk out of here, man, they'll wag their head and they'll be offended. That's too hard. We got so many bubble wrap people nowadays that you got to be so careful with them and so tender with them. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to make heaven like that. You're not going to make heaven with that kind of spirit and that kind of attitude. And what's so appalling is that you can't let a preacher preach to you, but you'll let a boss talk down to you. Because for filthy lucre, you'll put up with a whole lot of things. I'm going to tell you, if I'm going to be saved, it's going to be because a preacher got up in my business every once in a while and preached to me what it took to be saved. And it was a preacher that was willing to stand against sin and call what sin is and label it and, and identify it in my life and say, that has to go. That has to be repented of. That cannot be tolerated. Hallelujah. Oh, as you probably have figured out, I'm not trying to be politically correct here this morning. That's what's tearing this nation apart. And that's what's tearing people in this world's psychic apart. It's because they think everything has to be worded just right so it doesn't offend. That's not the real world, friend. Amen. If you want to be saved, amen, you look in this book. It calls it out. It tells you what you got to do. Amen. If you want to be saved, you got to hear Preaching that is from the Word of God. Hallelujah. Can't be passive about that kind of stuff. You can't be, you know, concerning some agendas that are in our world today. They say, well, the first step towards totally embracing something is to tolerate it. 
And then after you tolerated it long enough, then, then you know you allow it. And, 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 and you become accepting of it. And then there's a full-on embrace of it. And so when you tolerate and you, you learn to get by and you learn to live and you learn to exist in certain realms spiritually, then you start not only something that used to be repulsive to you, something that you used to not be interested in, suddenly it has an allurement to you and you desire it and you don't mind being around it. Maybe that's not so bad after all. But I'm going to tell you something. This world is progressively getting worse and worse. Sin is abounding in our world today. It's pervasive. Amen. It's everywhere. It's infiltrating every place. And the one sacred place, the church, there's nothing. You notice in the Word of God that, that the enemy always tried to direct its fury at the church. What, it, what happened in the days of Hathaliah? They went through and ravaged the house of the Lord and tore it up. Because that was the focal point of worship. That was the place where people went and worshipped God and dedicated their lives unto God. And so what did the enemy want to do? He wanted to tear it up. He wanted to take that focal point away. He wanted to destroy that that place. It was just a, a place where people would come, congregate and meet God. Amen. And worship God. But that's the thing that the enemy targeted. And I'm going to tell you, like never before, I'm seeing the enemy target the church of the living God. I'm not talking about the first church of the frigid air I'm not talking about the charismatic church they may have bigger crowds than they've ever had before but that doesn't mean they have truth and that sure doesn't mean that they're saved amen and I'm just telling you just because they can create a crowd doesn't mean that they've got a church but the church of the living God is facing opposition like it's never faced amen and there's a cooling effect by the enemy to try to bring carnality into the true church and that's why we need to worship that's why we need to pray that's that's why we need to be fervent. That's why we must not settle. That's why there must not be any backup in us. That's why we need to hold true to our convictions. That's why we need revival like we've never... I'm talking about old time, apostolic, Holy Ghost, Holy Rolling, revival, our running revival, leaping for joy revival, prayer meeting revival, amen, intercession revival. Talking in tongues revival. Let us be stirred. Let us be moved upon. Let us be quickened. Let's don't be like these people willingly ignorant. Oh, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to know that. Let me just willfully go on and be lost. Oh, no. But stir me up. This story we found in Luke chapter 16 tells us some very frightening things about this place called hell. The story begins introducing to us two different men. Really, when we talk about these two men, we couldn't talk about them being any different. We couldn't describe them in their lives being any more polar opposite than what they are says that first of all there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, purple color of royalty, color of wealth, fine linen. Everything in his world was palatable, comfortable, fared sumptuously every day, every appetite, every desire, every want, he was able to partake of it. And then it goes to this other man, and it couldn't describe a more different scene. It says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who laid at the rich man's gate, or was laying at the rich man's gate, full of sores. And I'm not going to bore you with all the details of the story. But it said eventually, death came. Death came. And that's one of those 
realities that all of us have to deal with at some point. That's, that's one of those things that none of us will be able to escape. It's appointed a man wants to die, and then the judgment. And I wish I could spend more time here this morning talking about how fleeting life is. James talking about it being like a vapor or a wisp of smoke floating up into the sky and the wind blowing it away and it's invisible, it's no more, it's nothing there. What seems so tangible and it's, it's just striking how people live their lives that is so fleeting for such futile things. Live their lives trying to accomplish things that are not going to matter to them when it's all said and done. I'm not for... I'm not against striving for excellence and not against striving for success. But when that becomes a driving force with you, more than the salvation of your soul, there is a problem. There is a problem. You've taken the bait of the world. Because the Bible says that we're only allowed in this earth three score and ten. At best. And by reason of strength, uh, maybe some more. And, and then it's over with. A long life, you know, even with people living longer nowadays, with medical science and all the advancements. A long life, what, 85 years, 90 years? Somebody lives to 90 years old, we think that's, that's a huge deal. I'm going to tell you what, that's a drop when you consider eternity. And I've never met an older person, talked to them very long, that they didn't focus on the end and being prepared and ready for the end because they realize that there is very little before me and uh, whatever I'm going to do, preparing myself for that appointed time, then I must do it. I had a friend of mine. His dad is not really that old, I don't suppose, maybe 75. And uh, he said, son, his son is, is 50 years old, I believe. He said, son, when you get my age, he said, you start thinking a lot about death. You start thinking a lot about eternity, being ready and right. You start making sure that nothing, nothing's wrong. Nothing's unattended to. There's no person that you haven't forgiven. There's nothing that you're holding in your heart. There's nothing that you are allowing to stand between you and your relationship with God because we're at the end, we're at the end of life. Amen. So death comes. Death comes to these gentlemen. And the Bible said immediately that rich man lifted up his eyes that caused me to contemplate some things about hell here as I begin to look through this scripture. Immediately this man finds himself in hell and lifts up his eyes. And I just thought I would use this analogy talking about a lot of times we, when we think about hell and its torments, we only think about one or two things. But can I, can I take the remainder of my time and just talk about three flames of hell that you need to be aware of? One is the literal flames of hell. He lifted up his eyes being in torments. Lifted up his eyes being in torment. Hell is a literal lake of fire according to Revelation 19 and 20 that is burning with brimstone. You know what brimstone is? It's sulfur. Oh, you've, you've probably smelt or come in contact with sulfur. But you know 
that brimstone sulfur when it's burning has to be a horrible, horrible thing to experience and stench. And as I was preparing this message, my mind couldn't help but reflect upon these fires that are in the western states, and particularly campfire, the one in Paradise, California. There's one road. My parents lived there at one time. There's one road into that town and one road out. Same road, just a two-lane little road that runs in and out of Paradise. It's called Skyway Drive. And the flames, that fire came through there so quickly and so rapidly. Traffic was out on that road that some of you probably seen the pictures of people. Fire on both sides of the road, smoke so intense that they could not even hardly see their way to drive. You could hear on the little clips that I saw, you could hear people screaming, it's hot. I can feel it. Are we going to make it out? Children crying as they were trying to escape. People described it, and they used the word to describe that fire and what they had experienced as living through hell. And I don't doubt that was a horrible experience. I don't in any way negate what happened to those folks. And I'm very, I'm very heartbroken about all the loss, especially the climbing number of people that has perished in that fire. It just seems like it increases every day. And all the loss of property and cherished belongings, all of that is in ashes now. The whole town basically burnt down and it probably never really ever be rebuilt again, especially to the state that it was. But as bad as that was and as horrible as it was and as life-altering and changing as it was for those people involved, that's still not as horrible as hell. I still, I mean, those pictures that you saw with flames everywhere, fire everywhere, and the intense heat, and, and people uh, that they're, they're finding their remains, and there's nothing really much to identify, having to use cadaver dogs to try to find where, where the ashen remains of people are. As bad as that has been on that community and on those people, that's still not as bad. That's still not as gruesome. That's still not as ghastly as hell is. Amen. The fire cannot be quenched, the Bible says. You know, as ravaging as these fires are and they sweep across the countryside driven by wind, Eventually, they, they are quenched. Eventually, rains come. Eventually, the firefighters get control of them. You'll hear the percentages, 25%, 35% contained, 50% contained. But I'm going to tell you, hell is a fire that would never be contained and, and cannot be abated and cannot be quenched. Most of us, our minds can go back to 9-11, those horrible Atrocities that took place September 11, 2001 when those planes come crashing into the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. But one of the things that's always my mind is turned to and I had a book about an oil it was the oil history of, of 9-11 and, and reading the accounts, actual accounts and interviews with people one of the things that always sticks in my mind is those people that were caught above where the planes had crashed into those buildings and the fire and the heat, of course, that was rising up through, through the elevator shafts and through the flooring, up through that building and making its way to where they were. And the heat was so intense. And there's telephone conversations that were uh, recorded and and, and messages were left on answering machines of people that were there and they were describing how hot it was. And then the pictures, the thing that stands out of my mind is probably the most horrific is the pictures of people 100 floors up, 90 floors up, 80 floors up, diving to their death 
down the side of that building, feeling like that was going to be something that would be more palatable for them than to try to endure those flames any longer. And the Bible says that the fires and the flames of hell cannot be quenched. These are just little snapshots that we see in this life of people dealing with fire and how terrible it is and dramatic of a situation it is. But I'm going to tell you, when people have to spend an eternity in hell, there's no quick way out of it. There's no escaping it. It doesn't end. The nightmare never is over. It just keeps on going on and on and on and on and on through eternity. Decades. Centuries, however you want to mark time, eternity doesn't have a place where it ends. It doesn't have a conclusion. Nobody writes the final chapter. Nobody says, well, it's over now. Nobody gets to give an oral history of those that went to hell and said, well, that's how long we endured. We were there for this long. No, it doesn't work that way, but it's going to go on and on and on. So the literal flames of hell is something that we don't think about, something we don't talk about. Again, you're not going to hear me preach just a whole lot about it because it's not something that's exciting. It's not faith building. It's nothing that, uh, it's nothing that excites us. It's nothing that's, that's all that it, uh, exhilarating to talk about. It's not something that I really gravitate towards. It's not a subject that I enjoy at all. But, but it's a fact because it's in the Bible. And so therefore, it's my responsibility to talk about it this morning. There is a literal lake of fire. And then the second flame of hell that you might want to consider this morning is that total separation from God. Being totally. You know, I know there's a lot of people that want to they want to push God aside. They want to push God out of their life. They don't want to feel conviction. I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to be moved. I don't, but, but, but to know that he's there is a comforting thing to people. To know that he is a merciful God and that I can call upon him and I can repent at some point and I can get right. And I think there's a lot of people in their minds that's, that's what they have back there on the back shelf somewhere is that someday, you know, I always can come back to church and I always can come to an altar and I always can pray through it. And if I decide I'm wrong about this, then I can really get right and I can plunge myself into living for God and doing the work of the Lord and, and I, I can live for the Lord and I can serve him if I so choose to at a later date just knowing that he's always going to be there is a comforting thing to them but to be totally alienated and separated from God forever he seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and not only that to witness the joy to witness the happiness the comfort to see the smiles. This man gets to look on Lazarus. He hadn't seen too many smiles when he was on earth on this man's face. He hadn't seen him leaping and running and celebrating and dancing and joyous. But he's seen a man that was laid because he was so sick at the rich man's gate. And he was full of sores and dogs came by and licked the sores. But now he's comforted. Now he's got a smile on his face for once. Now he's dancing for joy. Now he's happy. Now he's satisfied. Now he's rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. Now he, he's, he's lifting his hands and saying it was worth it. I made it. Amen. I'm thankful for everything that God has kept me through and how that he's blessed me. 
And that man, one of the most tormenting things about hell, and what I would call a flame of hell that cannot be quenched, is when he looks up and he sees what he could have enjoyed, what he could have experienced, what he could have had himself, what he could have possessed, the promise that could have been his, oh, the peace that could have been his, oh, the joy that could have been his. And he looks up and he sees this man celebrating. He sees this man dancing. He sees this man worshiping. And he said, that could have been me. And for eternity, he gets to witness that. For eternity, he gets to see people that he knew on this earth. A man that didn't have it so good perhaps down here. But when they got to heaven, they have joy now. They have peace now. They have comfort now. They have the faculties of their bodies whole. Amen. Why? Because they're on the other side living the joyful life of being with Jesus. What a tormenting thing to have to look up and see that and witness that. What a horrible thing to have to look up and see as you're wreathing, burning, desiring, hungry for fellowship, desirous of feeling the presence of God again. Not being able, no matter how much you beg, no matter how much you plead, how sincere your prayer is, it doesn't seem to matter. But probably the most tormenting of all is found in verse 25. The rich man asked Abraham, Sin, Lazarus. I'm not asking for a whole lot. But if he could just dip the tip of his finger in water and come to where I am and place it on my tongue that's swollen and parched because I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember. You know, in hell you may lose the presence of God you may lose conviction you may lose the spirit that you feel here this morning but there's one thing you won't lose you won't lose your memory according to this you won't lose your memory he said remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented and then he goes a little further and he said Besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. He's remembering. I'm going to tell you, the memory is a, it's a fascinating thing. It's amazing how you can remember certain events in your life and recall them. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you have something happen that's familiar and then it jogs your memory and you... Remember some event back there and, and you ponder it and you think about it. Maybe even are inspired by it. Maybe it offers a moment of joy or maybe it is satisfying to rehearse it and reflect upon it. Remember. This man, like a video recorder in his mind, he's remembering every opportunity that he had every chance that God had given him. Can I tell you that people that have had an opportunity like you and I have had and, and don't make it and are not saved, they're going to replace services just like this. They're going to think about revival meetings. They're going to think about evangelists. They're going to think about a pastor. They're going to think about the preaching. They're going to remember they're going to re you, you may not remember a whole lot of what's said here this morning. You may walk out of here and try to push it out of your mind. I don't know. But, but there's going to be some day that it's going to come back to you. And it's going to be a tormenting thing to remember how that you were in a church service and the presence of God was so near. The Spirit of the Lord was moving and, and, and revival atmosphere was available and, and you did not respond and you did not pray and you did not repent and you did not take advantage of the opportunity. And he said besides all of this there's a great gulf that is fixed 
when he used to see Lazarus through a gate out in his front yard. And he used to bemoan the fact that the beggar was out there. And it was a painful reminder to him that he he didn't he didn't want to he he didn't really want to think about him he didn't want he didn't want to he didn't want to have anything to do with him and in fact it it was something that he 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 wanted to put out of his mind that there's a beggar that that is living outside my gate while I fare sumptuously while I have so much while my life is going so well there's somebody that's suffering that's not something that he wanted to think about and he looked through the gate but now suddenly in just a day's time he's looking over a gulf and no longer is the accessibility there no longer is the availability there no longer is he as approachable as he once was what used to be so accessible what used to be so approachable the gate all I had to do is walk out my front door walk down my driveway and there he was just outside the gate but now there's a great gulf fixed so that they that would come from thence cannot and they amen that would come from here to thence can't they can't transverse this they can't travel this amen suddenly the gate has became a gulf no more opportunity no more chance it's over why don't we raise our hands right now and let's pray together that God would make this message impact the hearts of people like he wants it to today That God's Spirit would drive it home into our spirit. God would allow us to be convicted. And I want to tell you this as we stand this morning. Every mind focused on God. Every heart open towards the moving of God's Spirit. Whatever it is that you refuse to give up to go to heaven, can I tell you, give it up to go to hell? I said, whatever it is that you refuse to give up to go to heaven, you'll give it up to go to hell. Somebody said, I don't think I can make it. Without this alcohol. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be drinking whiskey and beer. You're not going to be drinking vodka and rum in hell. It's not there. You'll give it up. Somebody said, I don't know if I can give up cigarettes and chewing tobacco. I'm going to tell you, there's nobody be partaking of those things in hell. Somebody said, I don't think I can give up my lustful lifestyle, promiscuousness. It's going to be the furthest thing from your mind in hell. Somebody said, ah, I got too much going on. I got too many possessions that I want and I'm looking to glean in this life. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get to pack any of that with you to hell you're not going to get to enjoy any of it in hell and hell lifted up his eyes being in torments probably won't hear me preach like this much I tried at least three different times to move to a different subject and it was like God yanked me back over here to this text. Said this is what I want my people to hear today. Because some of them's drifted so far and gotten so cold. So hard.
conviction get a hold of us today? Conviction get a hold of us today. Holy Ghost, prompt us today. Spirit of the Lord, move in between these pews. The light of the Word of God come into the dark corners of our heart. Thank you, Jesus. And help us to realize there's some areas that need to be cleaned out and there's some things that need to be taken care of. Help me not to get carnal. Help me not to fall in love so much with the world and with myself and with my needs and my wants and my desires that I fail to think about eternity, my soul. Help me to not be like that rich farmer that said, I'll tear down these barns and build bigger. His soul came to him and said, hey, it's church time. Hey, you need to be praying. Hello, flesh. It's not you that's going to have to suffer for eternity. I want you to take me to church. I want you to take me to the house of God. Come on, let's find an altar. Let's pray. Come on, let's prepare. Said soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. Let's live it up for a little while. Let's let's enjoy these hard work for and sacrifice for possessions that we have. Let's live it up. Not knowing that it was that night. That his soul would be required of him. Thou fool, this night thy soul has been required of thee. How long has it been since you just said, God, I just want to make sure? How long has it been since you said, God, I just, I got to be stirred in my spirit about this thing? How long has it been since you was broken in the presence of the Lord and yielded your will to God? And then I want to take it a little further and say, if not for yourself, what about, what about your children? What about those that are looking at you and those that are under your influence? they have a chance, it's because you made the right decision in a service like this. If they have a chance, it's because you made up your mind, I'm going to serve God. I'm not just going to peel out the first opportunity and the first time I hit a hard spot. The first time that I go through a rough patch. But God, I I got to make it. I got to make it because I got so many people dependent on me. I got children and babies and folks that need to see a mama that knows how to pray and knows how to weep in the presence of the Lord. Knows how to talk to God. Knows how to seek God. Knows how to talk in tongues. Knows what it is that the Spirit of the Lord moves on them. They know how to respond to it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There ought to be a wail go up from this place. There ought to be a cry reach the heavens from this house. There ought to be intercession for, for folks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, let me be moved on. Let me be stern. Sir, you better quit taking the phone calls. You better cut off the connection.
You better stop going to those websites. Ma'am, you better quit. You better stop while you're ahead. The little flirtations with the world. Letting rebellion grow in your heart. Letting a bad spirit become pervasive. Saying to God, you better be careful with that critical attitude. Oh, there's plenty to criticize, believe me. But there's nothing that is worth you being lost for. There's nothing worth you going to hell for. Jesus, I've done my best today. I've done my best. Trying to reach people that you love. You died for. You shed your blood for. You want to save them. You're wanting to help them today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.